Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Welcome everyone to the Become Fire podcasts. It is Father Anthony Tinker here with Brother, Brother Paul Grobman. There he is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so, Brother Paul, how you doing? What, you're here for the summer. Uh, what are you guys up to? We have been renovating the friary. We are pretty much done with that, which is pretty awesome. Uh, just kind of switching up the main room and, and reestablishing the bishop suite. And then, uh, but we've also now been building a confessional in uh, St. John the Baptist. So that's been pretty exciting. You enjoying it? Yes and no. <laughs> no, I, I very much dislike drywalling, and we've done a lot of drywalling this summer, but other than that, it's been pretty good. Um, so we're going to kind of continue our little bit of a cultural context, if you want to call it that. We've been talking about great novels, great books the past couple yes. of podcasts. Um, I remember saying that I've been wanting to talk about this for uh, probably a year now. Um, I we was just on, watched the music video. <laughs> I, I was on vacation last year, and my brother and sister-in-law, my niece, we were there just going through, like watching videos and such, listening to music. And this video came up, which is a couple of years old, by Justin Timberlake and Chris Stapleton. Could say something. They showed it to me, and and it it struck me, um, because it's it's recorded in this Bradbury building in Los Angeles. It's uh, a famous um, building in Los Angeles, really beautiful. It's an old office building, and that they're recording it in. Um, but it, I think it's, I, I find in it this beautiful movement. Right, in, in a few different ways. One is just the movement of the space. So it starts and the space is like under construction. He's in this like off kind of room under construction. And as the video moves out of this construction, right? And through these elevators, you get kind of to the base floor and you look up and you see kind of the grandiose aspect of this building, right? And, and for me, it was the movement from, from and, and in that room under construction, he's like playing with this like digital enhanced kind of music beatbox thing. It's like, just it's just like digital um, uh, kind of uh, music, and then it moves into the very end. It's all these voices, all these people, kind of through the floors of this building, and they're all you hear their voices, and they're kind of like adding to the the song. And you move from kind of this what's kind of under construction it, it kind of spot into the beauty of the whole space. And but as you're moving from the digital tech, the, the advancements in technology to back to the human voice, and in the middle of all this, they're doing the song, say something like. And the chorus kind of being like, everybody's telling me to say something, but sometimes the best thing is to say nothing at all. And, and for me, I don't know if they intended this. I don't think they did. Um, I think, and partially they kind of, you know, we always talk about this, talk about the culture. Like, did, did they really intend all the meaning and symbolism we see in the Christian context? But what I saw was it's, it's what, what can never be provided by technology. What's under kind of construction, it's always renovation. It's always the new thing. It's like tear down the old, build the new. Right, will never provide the beauty of looking to the old, of looking to the ancient, looking to the the things that the great forms of the old. Um, that all the digital kind of advances in technology, they're not as good as the human voice, you know, in in the technological age, and as well as um, what the the culture wants to provide. Um, as far as like everything's going to be provided for you, it's going to be all these advances, all this greatness. It's not actually what the what the culture wants. It doesn't want the noise anymore. It wants to say nothing at all. It wants to move to silence. And, and for me, it was, it was like they're saying this, you know, everybody's telling me to say something, but sometimes it's best to say nothing at all. Like, I want to move to silence. 
Like, I don't want to just always keep talking and always be filled with noise and always have to give a response and everything else. I just want to move to quiet. And this call to contemplation, and I don't think they realize it, but this call to recognize, like, I want contemplation. I want silence. I want the ancient forms. I want their tradition. I want beauty. And and uh, and so I think this is what this video is talking about. I want to talk about today that kind of that the desire of the culture to move towards beauty, to move towards silence, to move towards a good and true and beautiful. Do you, do you know what year it came out? <clears throat> 2018. What was the context? What was happening around it culturally when the song came out? Do you have any idea? So this is pre-COVID. Okay. It feels like the co- the world's just changed. Yes. You know, it's the pre-COVID world and the post-COVID world. Um, I have no idea, like as far as like I'm I'm this is not I'm not into this like li- yeah, I listen to sure. pop music a lot. For sure. Literally, I was at home on vacation, but I was like, hey, you should watch this. You know, I was already like a year behind. Like this is a, a podcast probably should have come out two years ago. Like it's how far behind <laughs> we are with life. Um, they're like, why are you, why are you talking about this old video? Um, but. Um, for me, like, I, I, so I don't know exactly like why they wrote this, what the culture context, why. You, but you've got this country artist, Chris Templeton, yeah. working with this pop artist, Justin Timberlake, doing this collaboration. Yeah. They're yeah. trying to speak to the culture, like bringing a bunch of different audiences. That's why mm-hmm. these collaborations, mm-hmm. two different audiences come together. Um, that you're trying to to get these these great views. And this had, I mean, this this video has had these millions and millions of views. It's very very popular. It's been speaking out to the culture, obviously. Wait a minute to your point too, like the move towards silence. There's even like. There's there's like atheistic movements of like meditation and like the importance of meditation and silence and even like hearing about like silent dating where like you go on a date and you like you don't say anything but it's all in silence like so as far as like the the contemporary culture moving towards silence I definitely would agree that that I see that movement too and I think unfortunately too you hear it too where it's uh you know it's one of those things where like if the church isn't doing it that the the contemporary culture will pick it up um and in a way that doesn't actually because silence silence so let's just talk about what silence is first of all obviously like there is like a silence is not it's not you know i don't know it's it's a privation right so it's nothing but we would say that it's not just silence for the sake of silence but why 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 does the christian seek silence well it's because in silence you hear the voice of god so it's it's not a silence it's actually uh, it's a it is it is a quietness but it's a quietness where you're with him Right, so it's not essentially like a solitude into despair, right? So you can, there, a way you could even actually say it, it's actually a very loud silence. In as much as that, the voice of God—that's where you learn to hear His voice—is in the silence. And so there's a need just within us to have silence. Right? There needs to be periods of silence, and only, not only that, not only for the relationship, but even just for just processing like your own emotions, like kind of self-awareness, reflecting on the day, like. If you're always plugged in, you're not actually self-reflective then. So actually not having silence also uh, makes it so that you actually aren't that deep of a person, unfortunately. I mean, that's how I was. That was how I was for like 22 years of my life. Wasn't very self-reflective at all. Like, why am I doing this? No idea. I'm just doing it, right? I'm just <laughs> acting like kind of an animal, um, right? But when you start entering into the deep period of silence, that's when you can start reflecting on your life. And a lot of times too, there's actually like the silence that requires actually a tremendous amount of vulnerability as well because... A lot of stuff will come up in the silence. We're afraid of the silence. We're afraid of which the is silence. Why, which is why I find this so interesting. Because what I think they're calling out is like, this call to silence, this call to like, to move away from all the digital, all the noise, all the technology, everything else, kind of strip it down to the basics. Um, and yet, in that place, that's what everybody's afraid of. Yeah. They're afraid of the silence. They're afraid of the quiet. Good why? Because that, that's when we're alone with the unknown you that's know right, we're alone right, with, with right. god you're in the cloud of um, unknowing we're in the cloud of unknowing, and we want to but who wants to, who knows us fully yes and, and wants to be fully known um and, and we are, have to open up our hearts to to be vulnerable as you said 
into this complete state of vulnerability. And that's for so many people is frightening. It's scary. And so they just go back to the noise. They just go back to um, playing the song over and over again. Yeah, they're to silence. It's a certain sense and, of, like, uh, uh, of, of just not dealing with what's, what's most real, where yeah. it's like, I'm, like you just, I just need to cope right now. And so I'm going to turn up the music as loud as I can or, or push the next episode of on, on a Netflix or whatever it is. And, we, and that's one thing, too, that's so, that's so freaky about the modern world. There's like literally, you can be plugged in all of the time. Where like you never you you could go an entire day with not even a second of silence. Like you got the earbuds, you got your Bluetooth headphones. You can literally have them in. Your cell phone is connected everywhere. The the computer. I mean, all these things that that way you're always connected. Yeah. Um. And then you never actually have to to deal with the heart. You know, with the real stuff. Like, yeah. So. Um. So what do we do in the silence? Um. Today we want to talk about devotionals. So we just kind of had our little a precursor uh, for me to talk about that video. But I wanted to precursor it into like people have been asking questions about like, what do we do in the silence? Yeah. Like how do we enter into the silence and particularly Catholic devotionals, Catholic devotional prayer? Um, what is it that we, what do we do in the silence? What are some of our favorite devotionals? Um, how do we pray and how do we enter into the silence? Cause oftentimes, at least for me, I don't just go right into silence. Sometimes I do. Um, but sometimes I go in and I pray, start with praying a rosary or pray a chaplet. You know, I take some time, I read some scriptures, whatever. And then I in- let that enter into Silence, enter into contemplation. So, Brother Paul, let's just start. What are some of your favorite devotionals, and what would you recommend to people of God, um, to the people of God, if they're looking to get started? You know, I just, I, I just want to know how to get into the silence. I want to know how to pray. What, what do I start? What are some Catholic devotions maybe I can get into to help me get into the silence? The first thing that comes to mind is uh, get in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And I don't know how realistic that is in your guys' lives and what you're doing, but even just 20 minutes, like three to four times a week, like, um, so you, so what I'm trying to articulate is you have to provide opportunities for you to actually be in silence. And so we can tell you a lot of these devotional prayers, which are very beneficial, immensely uh, efficacious for your spiritual life. But if you don't actually have time to listen to God, that, that, those, those are what kind of facilitate that. You know, you, you want to get to what's called like the burning prayer, and these devotionals help you go into that place of, of a yearning and a, and a hunger for God. But then you can actually hear him speak, and to hear him speak, you have to give time for that. So I, I would say that's like, I mean, that was, what, what was most beneficial for my own spiritual life, and even for entering the friary, was, uh, was just doing a daily holy hour. And I was a college kid, I was up at NEU, so it was much easier for me, but, but just committing to that. And a lot of days, maybe it's like falling asleep in front of the Blessed Sacrament, or, or being very distracted, but just really committing to that. And then secondarily, I would say the most important devotion uh, for your devotional life, and I'm going to use this in. Uh, I'm going to say it's objective, whether or not it is or not. Um, I'm going to say you have to have. Uh, you have to pray the rosary, like the, like and like, and the church has affirmed that as a universal devotion of the church. Our Lady has appeared on numerous occasions and and uh, and uh, exhorted her children, like pray the rosary, like pray the rosary. I promise you, all of these things that come from praying it. And so the, the praying of the rosary, and in particular, uh, my own my own personal devotion, I have, a, I have a tremendous devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows. And so most days I pray uh, just the, the rosary and then also uh, the seven sorrows rosary. Nice. So why the rosary? I mean, you, obviously the church has talked about this. And for those who don't know, the rosary you start um, with, you're basically doing uh, meditating upon the mysteries of Christ and the various mysteries of his life, and you're praying Hail Mary Serrata. So you're doing five different decades, typically with an Our Father and 10 Hail Marys, um, and you're meditating upon the life of Jesus Christ. So what is it about the rosary that the church has affirmed again and again, this is a great devotional practice? Um, I think there's there's one thing that's just kind of a natural way of looking at it too, is that you have to build the habit of prayer. 
And so the rosary is a great thing where it's like, even if I'm not feeling good about it, or maybe even I'm super distracted, it's just something you can commit to doing. And whether it's on the commute to work, whether it's while I lay in bed at night, whether it's when I first wake up, I know that I'm going to do these prayers, right? And so it's just something to be consistent in times of immense consolation and also in desolation. It's just something that keeps your prayer life going. It keeps it moving. And then only that too, is that we see Our Lady is the greatest help within with the spiritual life. Um, that that Christ gave us his mother at the cross, and even our Lord, his example as well, uh, who trusted his mother when he was most vulnerable. And so we see that uh, when Christ is born as a child, he's received into the hands of Mary. And then also when he dies, right, the Lord's dead body is also then received into the hands of Our Lady. And so we can see too that we can have tremendous trust in giving ourselves over to the mother of God and through her intercession and to actually like her, her getting the graces we need for our lives and also for her uh, drawing us deeper into union with her son, Jesus. And that's what Our Lady wants to do. Like fundamentally, Our Lady's all about the glory and honor of God and the glorification of her son, Jesus Christ. Uh, and she will do that for you in your own life. Um, mm -hmm. And even just my own conversion. I mean, you know, the you know, I prayed the rosary and it saved my life. And so very thankful to Our Lady for that. Yeah, and so it's this beautiful prayer because it's, it's the words of scripture. Yes. Right, so we're saying the words of scripture throughout this prayer and asking you said Our Lady to intercede for her, just to pray for us, to draw her to her son. What is you know, Mary do at the wedding feast of Cana. She says, do whatever he tells yes. you. That that growing closer to Mary will only draw you closer to Jesus That's because right. she refuses to take the glory for herself. She refuses to yep. say this honor, this glory is for me. She's always pointing to her son. She will always point you to your son. And the more you get, become devoted to Our Lady, the more she's going to point you to and, her son. And then even the rosary itself, like it, it's meditations on the life of Christ. Now, Our Lady is involved in each of, of the mysteries, except in the luminous mysteries. Although she's obviously involved in that too, but not specifically within the scriptural references. But uh, but like you're meditating upon the life of Christ, right? And so there's also a sense too of like, as, as you pray the rosary too, that Our Lady will teach you how to be like a son or a daughter of the Father. Like how do you live the Christian life? And and she's showing us through the example of her own son, right? How did Jesus, how did Jesus live when he was on earth? What was Jesus doing? How was he being obedient to the will of the Father? How was he interacting with other people? How did people respond to... You know, I think of the visitation. What was Elizabeth's response to Our Lady with, with, with Jesus? How should our response be? And so there's all these practical principles too then that as you meditate on those, those can get really deep inside of you and they can start actually to, to affect how you interact with people. Uh, and even just like being aware of grace in your life. Like where's the blessing at? Where's, what's the Lord doing in your life? And, these, and, the, and the rosary will help you recognize those things. And my, 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 people might say, you know, the rosary is boring, right? And then uh, Jesse Romero would say, the rosary is not boring, you're boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, and, and what he's saying, that what he's getting at is it, the, it's in, intentionally repetitive. Yes. Like the repetition is the important part. Why? Because it helps you to enter in and get beyond just the words you're saying. You're paying attention to the words you're saying, but like you said, you're meditating on the life of Christ. You're moving beyond it. Uh, Benedict Sixteenth would often say he gets stuck on mysteries. He's like, there's many days I go to pray my rosary and I don't get through my rosary, even though I've spent, you know, half hour, hour praying the yep. rosary because I just get stuck on a mystery contemplating the mystery, get stuck in meditating upon the life of Jesus Christ. And that's the point of it. Yes, um, yes. You know, we want to do our best to, to pray the rosary, but if we get, quote unquote, stuck on a mystery where we're just wrapped up in the contemplation of the mysteries of God and wrapped up in meditation upon the life of Christ, like that's a really good thing. That, that It's supposed to, it's a devotional that's supposed to lead to contemplation, which gets back to our point about silence, where we start the place. Say, yep. We're trying to get to silence. We're trying to get to quiet. And, and like you said, we want to get in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Well, it's a great place to go be, be quiet. 
because it helps you to focus. Like, I know why I'm here. That's right. Right. There's a difference between just being quiet in your room. That's good. That's a, but when you're quiet in your room, sometimes you be like, why am I here? Like, what am I doing? Like, what's the purpose? Like, where, where am I focused? And when you get distracted or anything else, when you're in the church, when you're in front of the blessed sacrament, you're in front of Jesus, you're like, okay, I know why I'm here. Yep. Like, even if times when I'm kind of maybe nodding off or I'm distracted or whatever, like, I can always turn back, open my eyes, be like, no, that's why I'm here. He's why I'm here. Right. And, and with the rosary as well, it helps us to move in that place of science, that move in that place of, of quiet yep. where it's like, I know why I'm here. I know why I'm praying. I'm not just trying to get through this because I have other things to do in my day. I'm not just trying to, 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 to make my checklist of being a good Catholic. I'm trying to enter into communion with a God who desires to be in communion with me. And this, this rosary, this repetition is a way in which I'm focusing my heart and my mind on to God so that he can wrap me up into him through these prayers. And I guess there's one thing that comes to my mind too is that, you know, particularly visiting the Blessed Sacrament where, you know, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, how am I trying to say it? Well, I guess like when you really get serious about your prayer life, you know, like where you, if you really want to get serious with God, that's a great way to do it where, you know, you're actually going to to Jesus Christ, the present in the Eucharist, right? Body, soul, blood, and divinity. And like, and you're taking time out of your day too. So there is even an act of, 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 of penance in that worth having to like go out of my way to go to this place and, and uh, and it's a tremendous act, right? So and that's an important thing I want to uh, I would articulate too is that acts are important, gestures are important, you know that uh, for the human person that the only way you can be virtuous is if you act virtuously. And the same thing with prayer, like you have to do religious acts that that actually grow you in the virtue of religion that also make it capable then to have those those deep uh, times of contemplation. I do find it quite interesting. I often have the conversation with people and they're not going to church anymore, mm -hmm. and, and they're like, "Well, I just I, I encounter God at home." And so I'm like, what's your prayer life like? And oftentimes it's it's pretty minimal. It's like, yeah. well, I, I say, you know, I'm, I'm talking to God throughout the day. You know, they go there. Like, okay, what does that look like? What's God saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah what are you saying? Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. if that's the case, like, what? well, yeah, I thank him at times. And, and often it kind of boils down to like, you know, maybe I pray before meals, you know, and mm -hmm, I, I kind of mm -hmm. like think of God a couple times mm -hmm. of the day. It's like, okay, that's good. I'm not, I don't want to bash that. But what you're telling me is that you're, you're, you don't have any devotional practices that specifically set aside time to turn your, your heart and your mind to God. Yeah. Um, that with your kids be like, well, what's your relationship with your kids? Like, oh, I spend all day with them. Like maybe I'm watching TV and they're playing with their, their board games. Yeah. We're in the same house, right? And, and, and you think that's going to create a great relationship with your kids. Like, no, you got to go spend quality time with the that's kids. Right, that's you got to right. be playing the board game with them. You know, you got to go out and throw the baseball with them. And, and with God as well, like we've got to spend quality time with God. That's right. Like, yes, it encounters throughout the day. Like we've got to be with him throughout the day. We turn our hearts to Thanksgiving, shoot these arrows to heaven as the desert father tell us, constantly giving praise and thanks to God throughout the day. But there also have to be set aside times. We just focus on that relationship and things like going to adoration, praying the rosary, doing devotionals help us to do these things. And I guess one thing, uh, this is kind of, so like praying the rosary, getting in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I would also say that getting in touch with the church's liturgical cycles too is really important. Um, and so in particular, what comes to mind is like obviously Lent. Um, like, so you should be fasting for those 40 days leading up to Easter, right? You're not going to enjoy the, the, the resurrection if you know, you know, we only enjoy the resurrection because we know there was a Calvary. Um, and even for Advent too, you know, fasting during those, uh, I think it's with 23 days leading up to Christmas, right? That you really can enter into Advent, a time of preparation and coming for the Lord. Um, and so we want to be able to do those things. And even like we do the St. Michael's Lent uh, as the friars, uh, we start fasting on- August the 16th. August the 16th to the Feast of uh, St. Michael. Um, so it's the day after the Assumption of Mary yep. up until the September 29th, the Feast of St. Michael. 
And then, and then also I would say too, then, and so those are important things, right? Just so like kind of universally, like the church is doing those things. Get in, get in touch with the rhythm. How, how is the church breathing? How is the church living? But then also even in your own life too, like what's, what's, the, what's the name of your, how are you named? What's the feast days that are important to you? Or maybe you got married on, you know, Our Lady of Mount Carmel or, or your first child was born or, uh, around the feast of like St. Thomas or something like that. Like what are ways that those days can become important then? And I would say the novena is a great way to start incorporating those type of things, which it's the ancient, uh, it's been with the tradition of the church since the, uh, for a very since long Pentecost. time. Since Pentecost, yeah. Nine days of prayer. Nine days of prayer, that's right. Um, leading up to the descent of the Holy Spirit. And so you can do that too. And there's tons of devotionals online. Almost any saint, I'm sure, has some type of novena that someone typed up that you can pray for the nine days leading up to the, to the feast day. Yeah, okay, so you mentioned a couple of great devotionals. One, you just talked about devotional life, um, you know, the, the liturgical life. So we yeah. want, all this is all, obviously, we're, the source and summit of our faith is the Eucharist, right? That that everything, so we do, well, I guess a, a devotion, it's not really a devotional prayer, um, liturgical prayer, um, but people might take it on as their personal devotional prayer, the Liturgy of the Hours. Yes. Um, I highly recommend it. So that priests and deacons uh, are required to pray it by the church. A lot of religious communities take on that obligation themselves. And many lay people as well pray it. And it's this beautiful prayer where you're praying the Psalms, you're entering into the basically the, the always preparing yourself for the Mass. You gather throughout the day, you stop throughout the day to pray, um, uniting yourself to the church in prayer, um, giving thanksgiving for the for the masses for the previous mass and preparing yourself for the next mass you're always in and out of that liturgical cycle and you said throughout the year we got to enter into this liturgical cycle the church is always breathing and she's always in a different season and we need to be in the same season mm-hmm, as the church mm-hmm. um and how we're we're acting in our devotional life i know for me for i so i pray um try to pray the uh, the full rosary every day um uh, but i definitely so when i um get into like advent i'm always praying the joyful mysteries even if I, I don't get anything else, I don't, you know, throughout the, throughout the ordinary time, there's a certain, like on, um, you know, Sundays and Wednesdays, you do the glorious and then there's different days you do different mysteries. But for me, when I hit Advent, when I hit Lent, I'm always doing the sorrowful. When I hit Easter, I'm always doing the glorious. Like I'm just focused in on those particular mysteries and kind of going over them again and again and again um, to try to get myself into the liturgical season I'm in. So even with your devotional prayers, you can do that. Like you said, novenas, these great opportunities to say, hey, this is a really important day in our family's life. I know for us, so um, we actually take a day of fasting before our major feast days. So before the Feast of St. Francis, October 4th, October 3rd, we do a day of fasting and abstinence. Um, why? To prepare for the feast. Um, if it's if anything's worth doing, it's worth preparing for. Um, so we, we prepare ourselves. Um, and also then for the Immaculate Conception and for the Feast of Peter and Paul, which is our particular uh, devotion as a community of the day in which we were founded. So these these great devotionals of of doing the novenas, entering into entering into liturgical life, that throughout the, it's a great thing to do as your family too, get together, like pray a novena, like, hey, you know, what's coming up? And you, this also helps you like think in advance. We're just so um, in last minute with a lot of things. Get back to our, our our music video and a lot of things. Like technology makes everything really last minute. Like I don't have to prepare anymore. Like, oh, I'm going, I, what? I can order food right now. Like I don't have to think about my meal later. I, I, where am I going to go? I just look it up on Google Maps. You know, whereas before we had to like plan our trip, you know, I had to, you know, plan out our route. You didn't know where our stops were going to be. You know, we had to do a lot more planning. Now with technology, we've had to take away from planning, but that can hurt us in our devotional life. Because we want to look ahead. What's coming up? How can I prepare for this this great feast coming up, this great season coming up uh, that God might have me for? Well, and even with the devotional life too, that, you know, hopefully too, that like, so it's not just for you personally too, but I would also just, I'm just thinking like, 
as a parent is you want to develop traditions that your kids also get excited about. So like at the house, maybe you maybe leading up to like St. Joseph the worker, you have like a statue of St. Joseph and you have nine candles and each day you do like a prayer to St. Joseph and you light a candle and like the kids know like on the ninth day they get to like, you're gonna have some big celebration or something like that. And you're gonna celebrate St. Joseph's day. And it becomes something that that not only are you tied in with the, with the church or the church is celebrating that, but then also like the family gets swept up into that. And that's what the church is always trying to do, where it's taking what's ordinary and it's making it something holy. It's making it sacred. And so what's mundane becomes sacred. And so in the same thing, you're trying to make the home uh, uh, model essentially the church, right? So you want to model like the, the domestic church in your home, where even within the house, you have these rhythms of life. You have the rhythm of prayer uh, that you're also teaching your kids. You're having them participate in. And I just, yeah, it's, it's a great devotions to have. Well, what are we going to worship? You know, our home right. becomes the, the the church, you know, the domestic church. And get back to our video again, you know, that this move away from technology, I think the culture is crying out for it. It's not doing it, but it's crying out for it. It's what the, it's longs for. It doesn't even know it's longing for it. That what do we worship in our home? Yep. Is our is our TV being worshipped? Are our video games being worshipped? Yeah. Is our technology, is our Siri being worshipped? That's right. You know, what's being worshipped in the home? And, or is the church, like, is God being worshipped? And and so we need these the Advent wreath, you know the yes. the Jesse tree, these 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 devotional practices which are ancient and are part of our our tradition. Um, these we can be used in the home mm -hmm. to help us devotional and to make our church a home, a domestic church where God is worshipped. And we don't worship the things that technology doesn't mean technology is evil. Doesn't mean we can't have technology. But the question is, what's being worshipped in our home? And for right. too many people, technology is being worshipped in the home. Mm -hmm. Yes, no, I mean it also makes me think of uh, Teresa Lisieux. You know, when you read the the uh, the story of a soul. She talks about the first time she was moved with devotion to, to the love of God was seeing her father at mass. And her father had just received the Eucharist and her father was like crying, like kneeling down in front of the blessed sacrament. And for her, that was the first moment. And, and you know, things, maybe she doesn't have that moment. Maybe her father doesn't do that. And who knows, like what great saint maybe we lose in, in the church, right? And so it's so important that we do that, that we're modeling that. In the same way, it's important that we pray, you know, that we pray the liturgy, the hours and stuff like that yeah. in the same way. You know, in the house, you need those, those movements and the, those times of prayer. I guess one other devotional practice that I do um, that I highly recommend is the Chapel of Divine Mercy. Yes. Um, at Saint given to St. Faustina, Lord appeared to her, talked about this this calling out for the mercy of God. Um, and it's a prayer where you're meditating upon the passion and, and in particular, you're meditating upon the image of divine mercy, um, where we see the blood and water flowing out of uh, Jesus' heart as he, as he points to it. Um, and kind of the other hand raised in blessing. Um, but for me, the Chaplet of Our Mercy has been a great um, source of consolation and a great source of, of intercession. That these prayers are not just for me. We talk about this, all these things, like praying the rosary, et cetera, that it's not just for me to be in union with God, for me to kind of have this great dinner with God, it's for me to pray for other people too. And when I'm praying for, you know, have mercy on us and on the whole world, like it's, it's crying out for mercy. It's crying out for God to be merciful upon me, a sinner, and upon the whole world, just such a need of his mercy. Um, and so that for me personally has been a great touching, reading the diary of St. Faustina, but then praying that chaplet of divine mercy to enter into the mercy of God and recognize that he is, his desires to be merciful to me. I would even say too, what's beautiful about the divine mercy chaplet is just tremendous promises given uh, if you pray this for somebody who's dying, for who's a sinner. And so if there's uh, a particular person in your life who is going to be falling away from the church, not living a, living a less than virtuous lifestyle that that praying the Divine Mercy chapter for that person can be instrumental in their own salvation. I mean, even just take, and also uh, it's beautiful to also just take your own sufferings, your, your own ache uh, from, from the loved one that you're praying for during that time, during the three o'clock hour um, when, our, when our Lord hung upon the cross and just uniting that with his sufferings and offering up that devotional prayer for your loved ones. It's very powerful.
Um, just throw a couple more out there just because we're out of time. Litanies are also very powerful. Yes. So here at the church, we do, after First Fridays, we do the Sacred Litany of Sacred Heart. After First Saturdays, we do the Litany uh, of Loretto to Our Lady. Um, and these great litanies where we just call, or just, you know, kind of looking out and calling upon the Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us mm-hmm. in all its different forms, and upon Our Lady to pray for us and all our different titles. That these litanies can actually, a great devotional prayers for us and, and, and for our families. And also just the, the, the litanies, yes, but also to add to what you're talking about, the, the first Saturday, first Friday, um, to even commit to like, I'm going to go to Mass on first Fridays, I'm going to go to Mass on first Saturdays. Maybe you choose one or the other, but those are really powerful times where uh, there's tremendous promises also attached to those that, that would uh, been revealed. Um, and I'd look those up. I encourage you to look up the yes, promises of yes. going to Mass on First Friday, devotionals and promises of First Saturday, um, that there are a lot of, this, the Lord has revealed like, hey, and not, it's not magic. It's the Lord, it's us making a dedication to say, no, I'm setting aside this day to say, okay, God, this is for you. Like when all my life where there's all these things mm-hmm. that are so consumed with other aspects, this is for you. This time is for you. And so I guess also as we wrap up, I guess concretely too, we threw a lot of things out there. I encourage you to kind of, and also like one thing about the, this is like another tangent, but also the personal devotion, right? It's personal devotion, yeah. right? So what moves you in prayer, right? You know, you know there's, there's, there's what's saying, um, there's also, there's tons of chaplets out there. There's like the, there's a chaplet of St. Michael, there's the Holy Face. So there's, there's a multitude of different pr- devotional prayers too. Um, but, but like, what moves you to love of God? What fills you with the fire of divine charity? Like those are the devotional prayers you want. And like we were saying for us personally, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, the Rosary, um, the Seven Sorrows Rosary, highly recommended. Um, and then also getting in front of the Blessed Sacrament. But then the, to kind of concretize it, what I would say is that as you listen to this, hopefully you feel spurned to, to pray more. And, to, and so I would encourage you to commit to a rosary a day um, for the rest of your life and just make that lifelong commitment and just say, I'm going to pray this uh, and it will change your life. I promise you, if you commit to praying the rosary every day, uh, that you will see changes in your life, that the Lord will bless you through doing that. Um, and then also making visits to the Blessed Sacrament, I'd also highly recommend. Even if you can't do 20 minutes, even if you pass by a church on your way to work, like just stop in the parking lot. And even if you can't get in the door or get through the doors, like go to the door and place your hand on the door and just acknowledge the presence of God and the tremendous gift the Lord's given us in his Eucharist, the tremendous gift of him being with us and to, to everything you can do just to reverence that and for however much you can. And then we didn't, rep- we didn't talk about it, but obviously uh, sacred scripture. Um, and so one thing I'd recommend, if you, if you haven't really read scripture before, just start with a chapter a day. Start with the Gospel of Matthew and just read chapter one, and then the next day read chapter two and just go through all the Gospels, and then just keep repeating that. And you, and it, and you do that for the rest of your life. And these are things that are like, you can really develop the habit of doing this. But you read a chapter of the Gospel every day for the rest of your life, you'll, you'll really get that in deep. You'll really have the transformative power of the Word. And don't be surprised, too, as if in your daily meditations that the Lord will speak to you through his word, that you'll read something that you've read a thousand times, and from this particular day, it stands out, and it's it's a word that the Lord is speaking to you. And so I'd really encourage you all uh, to just commit, to just just double down in this ordinary time to make it, uh, to just to be in union with God, to really press into it. And to say to yourself, I'm not going to go to bed, or I'm not going to turn on the television, or I'm not going to eat dinner, or whatever the thing is, until I pray my rosary, or until I read my chapter, you know, um, that, that it's to say, okay, no, I'm television is for afterwards. Like God is first. Yes. Like I'm not going to try and get it in at the end of the night. I'm going to say, no, here's the time. I'm home from work. I really, but it, now it's time to turn to God. Because yes. it actually, you find yourself actually more revived. Yes. That's a bit like, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to do it. Like you will find yourself more revived going and praying a rosary than you will sitting in front of the television. Um, and you don't, you may not believe that at first, but through experience, I can tell you like, even if it's hard and a struggle sometimes, like in general, 
going to God will actually strengthen you because that's the relationship, that's the source of our sure. life. Um, I would be, we're out of time, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the scapula, wearing a bronze scapula, yes. the promises associated with that. So look that one up. Highly recommend. Our Lady said the, the, the rosary and the scapula, she will conquer. Wear a scapula, pray a rosary, uh, turn to Our Lady and devotion, especially Our Lady of Sorrows. Um, we're asking for her intercession in a particular way upon us in this podcast. Just final, just a real quick, Brother Paul, if you don't mind, that beautiful story about St. Therese and her inspiration by, by her father. Maybe one way as a, in your life, a childhood where you saw it could have been a priest, could have been a parent, could have been a sibling, could have been someone, a school, a teacher, whatever else, it, it, doing some kind of devotional prayer. And it really touched you. It really struck you. And you're like, wow, that really, that really hit me. You know, I didn't, I, I didn't respect, I didn't, I didn't recognize it at first, but my grandparents prayed a rosary every night together at like eight o'clock. And like, and if you're with my grandparents, like you're just praying the rosary, like it wasn't even a question. And, uh, and like they'd pray it real fast too. They would just kind of like go through it, you know, like they're doing like a 15 minute rosary. But I remember like you'd be there and like just every night they'd pray it. And uh, and I really didn't recognize it at first, but what a beautiful inspiration that was. And you know, one thing that's really cool is that I've seen that influence all of my uncles and aunts where like they all pray the rosary. And even like my grandma, when she was dying on her deathbed, uh, she was, she had 14 kids. So my, mo my mom is one of 14. And all 14 kids were around her as she was dying, like praying the rosary. Yeah. And I can't imagine that it wasn't because of her example in life that really led her kids to do that. Yeah, Beautiful I, think, I think there's a lot of examples for me, but the one that just kind of pops in my head as I ask this question is, uh, my mom in particular, but mom and dad would go out and pray in front of abortion clinics. And watching my mom and then the ladies who had gathered, you know, and doing life chain or mm -hmm. doing other such things, or sitting there just praying the rosary. Um, it, it gave me an inspiration of like, this is, I don't know what, like I, I kind of had a sense, you know, like that whatever's happening there is bad. I couldn't tell you much about like killing children or abortion or such things. I just knew abortion is bad, but I didn't know the science behind it. But I just knew like whatever in there is so important that we're like getting up early on a Saturday and we're going and praying at rosary. Like this is a big deal. And it just, it showed me through my mom and my dad, like, hey, this is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And we're going to take the time to, to, to recognize this big deal by going out and praying a rosary in front of this abortion clinic. And for me, that's devotional. One, it, it gave me a very uh, pro-life mentality from a very young age. Um, but also a very great devotion to Our Lady, to the Rosary through intercession. So thank you all for being with us. We're praying for you. Um, as it says, I think culture wants it. Move away from technology. Move away. Move away from uh, the 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 traps that the culture wants to offer you, and move towards the silence. And I would do that through devotional prayer. We turn to our Lord. Give Him the quiet time, because all these devotions are supposed to lead us to contemplation. They're supposed to lead us to intimacy with God. They're not just done to get them done. So don't just add more and more devotionals. Be like, I'm gonna get all this done. Pick one thing at a time and let the Lord speak through that and let yourself be drawn to God through that. So God bless you and be with you. May his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and may he turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.